Hello and welcome to another episode of Bear Books Podcast. I'm April Berry. And I'm Daisy Ray. And on this episode, we are introducing you to indie author Nicole Pyland. We have an excellent interview with her. We had lots of fun. She was great to meet on Zoom. Yes, I really enjoyed it. It was a fun interview. And the book that we're reviewing is called The Misperception. And it's book five in a series of six. And each book is dedicated to a couple. So the six couples and each book is dedicated to how they met their partners and fell in love. It's called the Holiday Series. Paisley is the main character for book five, which is the one that we read, Misperception. And she meets Trinity, who she was at boarding school with. And she was actually Trinity's bully at boarding school. So it just goes to show love can start absolutely anywhere. It does, doesn't it? Anyway, so without further ado, let's meet Nicole and let's see what she has to say about the book and a variety of other things. <laughs> a very warm welcome to Nicole Pylan to the podcast today. She is the author of 51 published books come Friday. Yeah, on the 24th of March, 51st. 51. How long have you been writing for? Writing forever, publishing. It's about five and a half years of publishing. Oh, that's still pretty impressive. <laughs> <laughs> we, we're very busy around here, I can tell you that. Yeah, I imagine you are. So the obvious first question then is, what got you into writing, Nicole? Uh, I was about four years old, I think, when I thought I really want to do that. I wanted to, I would open books and I'd read books, like kids books, but I would open a book and I'd read it. And I thought, I want to do that. Um, and I actually started with tracing paper. I thought writing was like, I could just write over the letters and I was a writer. So I was a plagiarist apparently when I was four years old. Uh, and then eventually I started writing short stories. And for school, I was always really into it because you, I think with school, you get an assignment and they'll tell you write a page, write five pages or 10 pages. And I always wrote a lot of pages and turned them in and like went way over what the assignment requirements were. And I think that was probably my parents' first hint that I wanted to do this uh, longer term. So uh, pretty much forever. I don't remember not wanting to be a writer. Pretty impressive. So you've got 51 books on Friday that's published. I understand you've also got a day job as well. So how do you juggle the day job, the writing with a personal life? Oh, I don't have a personal life. Oh, right. It's <laughs> <laughs> an easy answer. I don't have one yet. I don't do anything other than this, but go on. Yeah. So it kind of lends me to believe that you're organized. So how do you fit it all in? And, and when do you write? Uh, so yeah, I have a routine for sure. And I think that's the thing that keeps me both sane and productive. I generally start writing in the morning before work. And then I write after work as well. So I'll, I, my day job is Monday through Friday, um, pretty standard fare. And so I'll write early in the morning. I try to get as much done as I can. And then I finish work. I'll write another however many words I can get out there. And uh, as far as organization goes, everything is organized. So my wife and I run our own you know, publishing business. It's just for me. And she handles all of the, I'd say the majority at least, if not all, of the publishing tasks. So during the day, 
she's taking care of listing the book for pre-order. She's making sure that um, we have the graphics, the art, the social, all of that stuff. And so without her, I would definitely not be putting out seven to nine books a year. There's just no way. But yeah, it's all very organized. Everything's saved and foldered and we can find it at a, a very, very quick second. And so I think that definitely helps the process a lot. Wow. What's your wife's name? Uh, Natalie. Well done, Natalie. You are a legend. (laughs) (laughs) I'll make sure she knows. (laughs) I was going to ask you if any of your characters are based on people you know, but after 51 books, that is is some amount of characters. So possibly not. Or any of them. (laughs) No, I don't know 51 people. Not really. I think all writers steal from life experiences. So... I I can definitely say that I've probably taken a funny line of dialogue from somebody I've worked with in the past or a character trait from them. But I don't think I've I've written a book where I've completely based it on somebody in my life or even partially. I don't intentionally stay away from that. I just don't do it naturally. You've not been tempted to get your own back on anybody you don't like. (laughs) Put them in an awful situation. I think if I do that, it's like in clever ways. So it's not basing a character on them. It's just like maybe digging at that thing that happened a little bit. So let's sort of turn now to misperception is number five in a series of six plus an additional one, which I have gone on to find out what happened to Trinity and Paisley because I was a little bit nosy and wanted to know. (laughs) So are all of the books that you've written, are they all sapphic novels? Mm -hmm. Yep. Why that exclusively? I don't think I made a decision to exclusively do that from the get-go. It was the... So Fresh Start was my first book that I wrote. And I had this idea in my head. Uh, at the time, I had been... I think it was toward, toward the end of... Uh, in America, at least. I know you guys know part of this. But the Amanda Knox saga had happened and uh, in Italy. And she had a documentary that came out on Netflix. And I remember getting this idea about a woman who is still being hounded by the, whether she's guilty or innocent or not in real life, I don't know, but like had this idea of her being hounded by the press and she didn't commit a crime. And it just naturally evolved into, I'm going to make it a romance as well. I wanted her to have somebody to sort of call her own and be there to support her. And that was Fresh Start. And it wasn't intentional that I continue in this direction, but I found my niche. I found what I think I'm, I'm pretty good at. I really like telling stories of women falling in love with women. I I think it's a very much underserved market still, even though we have a ton of you know great authors coming out with new books every day. And I felt like this is what I, I'm good at. I'm going to keep doing it. As long as I get enjoyment from it, I'll keep yeah. doing it. Uh, and that I think is kind of how I just, I write because I like to write and I like people to read my books. So yeah, as long as I keep enjoying it, I'll keep doing it. And it looks like your readers are enjoying it. I've been on to have a good old nosy at you. And you do have quite a few five-star reviews. So it's not just you enjoying it. Your readers are enjoying it too, which is amazing. Yeah, very lucky. Um, I did want to ask a question about your characters, though. You don't go into masses of detail in the one book I've read. (laughs) In misperception. What if in all of the other ones I did, though? Like, what if in literally every other one? You may well have done. (laughs) I haven't, Is that an intentional thing? Do you not want to give that kind of detail out? Do you want us to create characters in our minds as we're reading? Is that what it is? Yeah. Um, So I think for the most part, I tend to describe hair color, eye color, and maybe some basic physical attributes. Outside of that, I want to leave it up to the reader because I think everybody's definition of beauty is different. And so when I describe a character as beautiful, I've not told you she's a, a model. 
I've not given you that description. And so you can insert your own view of what beauty is. And maybe for you, it's not a model. It's something completely different. So there are certain books. So in the celebrity series, there are models, there are performers, there are people who are celebrities and they tend to fit a specific mold. So I describe a little bit more, but outside of that, I tend to leave it up to the reader very intentionally. Can I just sneak an extra question in there? Do you ever deal with the butch femme dynamic or is it all very girly girly? For the most part, I would say it's it's not even femme femme. It's more in the middle. I tend to write characters that are kind of in the middle. Uh, there's a couple that I would put a little higher on the butch spectrum. But for the most part, it tends to be in the middle. Okay. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Cheeky. Sneaking a question <laughs> in like that. <laughs> so let's sort of turn now to misperception. And I know that I have had a look on your website and it, it does sort of say you really need to read these in order. And I did have to do a little bit more research, I have got to say, having read this and I kind of went back and had a little look at some of the others to try and fit, not the characters, but the couples together to see the dynamic of the couples. But going back to the first chapter, the first masturbation scene of Paisley's was actually quite matter of fact and practical. What made you create it like that? And it was just like, bang, it was there. Yeah, I think... If you read the book even before Paisley's, which ends where this book begins, it starts to make a little more sense. But the idea is Paisley is practical. She's practical. She is logical. She is all business pretty much all the time. She is not somebody that's going to set aside a lot of time even to take care of herself. And so when she does, it's probably a pretty practical thing that she's doing. And Trinity throughout the book, I think, is more than willing to help her in some of those areas. (laughs) But Yeah, um, but is also that right person for her who understands that dynamic and can bring a little bit more out that's not the practical, the business. And um, so it was it was pretty deliberate. And to set up a bit of, you know, what she's fantasizing about kind of comes back as well. Uh, But that was kind of my my hope was where the previous book ends. You pick up here and it's like she's just taking care of something real quick. (laughs) You know, she's going to go on to her job. Yeah, very perfunctory, very matter of fact yeah absolutely it's like taking a sleeping pill should i take a sleeping pill tonight should i masturbate tonight same thing she's just watched her fourth friend of the year her fourth best friend basically sister you know fall in love so she's also dealing with the fact that her the thing that makes her her at this point is preventing her from that so that's kind of i think why it's happening too yeah yeah i want to move on to paisley's mother some of the time I thought she was very much an enabler. <laughs> Particularly like Thanksgiving dinner, inviting yeah. James and was it Alexia? Yeah. Does she fully understand what being bisexual is, do you think? I think she does. I think she understands the definition, but I also think she's trying to support her daughter in the the only way she knows how, which is you're supposed to find somebody to be with by now, Paisley. So I'm going to help you. I'm going to throw people at you. I don't care what gender they are. I'm just going to throw people at you until you pick one. And preferably it's in our social circle. So I'm going to throw the ones that I know um, you may not like them. And really, I think it would take Paisley just going, mom, knock it off. And like, I'm not coming to Thanksgiving if you do these things. It's annoying, but it's not a big bother to her. And I didn't I didn't base this character on my own mom at all, but it does make me think of my own mom sometimes because I am bisexual. And I remember when I met my wife, 
And I was telling my mom, hey, you know, we're, we're getting engaged. We're going to get married. This is the whole plan. My mom was telling my grandma that now I'm gay. Ah, I see. Ah, right. I explained to her, she's been very supportive. She's not been, um, she's been a very, very supportive mom in this situation. But I was like, that's not how that works. Like, you, yes, I, I'm marrying a woman, but that's not how that works. So I do think um, there are moments where she probably wishes she could just set Paisley up with a guy. But she's trying to be that supportive mom in the only way she knows how. So I think she gets it, but she's still momming, you know? She is still momming, yeah. 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 I'm sort of digressing a little bit here now because, I mean, she accepted Trinity, you know, into the fold quite Mm -hmm. nicely. And it it was quite quite a quirk to find out that she knew Trinity's mom as well. So I I like that touch there. But going back to Trinity, in the first part where where she was realising who Paisley was and in and around of the school. Obviously, Paisley didn't recognise her, didn't know who she was from the get-go. And I thought that Trinity could have dealt with it in a different way. And that's me rewriting the book, I think, there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you look at these characters, and, and when, you, when you're in the middle of a book, for me, they kind of become real. And I can't finish a book if I can't picture what's going on. I just put it down sure. and think, I don't want to, I'm not interested. I was wanting to, to get older Trinity and shake her. And go, you need to actually have a conversation here. Don't behave like a complete dick. Have a conversation. I think what happens, so I don't live where I grew up. And so if I were to go home and run into people I went to high school with, I would behave differently than I behave now. We regress. It's been a long time since I've been in high school. And so I think the natural reaction that she has is, I'm upset. You're here. Why are you here? I did not know you were going to be here. This is my livelihood. This is my business. And you're going to probably screw it up or be a very not nice person to me. And that's what she's expecting. So she reacts that way. And it takes a minute for her to realize that I I specifically think of that scene where Paisley is explaining, like, I'm doing this all on my own. I didn't take my parents' money. This is me. I'm running this whole business myself. And it's that that's the misperception. The misperception that we have is that we're the same people we went to high school with. And we're definitely not. But Trinity was putting that on. And so then she had to open up and you know, they go to drinks. And I think that opens them up a little bit as well. But yeah, you're right. I wanted to shake her too. And I was writing her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so in terms of the series of book with all the characters intertwined, what sent you down that route? Because I noticed that this isn't the only series, is it, that you've written? You've done others as well. I accidentally wrote a series the first time. Okay. <laughs> That's how I tell people. It's the accidental series. So Fresh Start was the first book. It's actually book zero in the Chicago series because it wasn't supposed to be a series. So when I then wrote a series, it is it takes place predominantly in Southern California. And they moved to Chicago at the end of the book. And so then the Chicago series kind of kicks off. When I was writing The Best Lines, which is the first official book in that series, I thought, what if I brought Alyssa and Hannah from Fresh Start into the fold? What if I make them friends with one of these main characters? And then it just spiraled from there. Then I'm in that book and I've got two other side characters and I like them and I want them to fall in love with each other. And then it just kept going. And when Chicago was, I would say, fairly successful early on, I had another character that is in Chicago that I just bring to San Francisco. And then I had a character from San Francisco that I brought to Tahoe and then Tahoe connected to Boston. And so it just, it rolled from there. Celebrity series also was not written as a series. It was written all the love songs was first. And then people liked two of the side characters. So then I wrote a prequel. So then there's book one and book two. 
And then it just kind of kept going from there. And Boston series, I, I wrote deliberately as a series. That was the first one. And holiday was the next one. Sports series, I wrote deliberately, but it's different. It's not connected by characters. It's connected by sports. So that's the theme is that it's about sports. Yeah, I've written a lot of series. Royalty series com- starts coming out on Friday. So that's connected loosely by characters, but predominantly by a theme. And I have a lot of standalone books as well now, but I just really, I really like having friends in the stories and then they form this family and they have this support. And I think it's really important for some characters, maybe their plot is I'm coming out and my family is not supportive. So they have that supportive system around them. And you do as an adult, you form your own family. And I like showing that. And so I'll keep doing that again for as long as people like them and and I enjoy writing them. But um, I don't exclusively write series, but I do think at this point I have seven or eight series out. I do think they are quite clever, to be honest. I think from a reader's point of view, I like to pick up a book and recognize the characters. I think it's human nature to think, oh, I know that person. I wonder what they're doing now. Yeah. And it's nice that you've got that like rolling theme and you can pick up where they go next and even if they're not the main characters and they faded off into the background a little because you're concentrating on the next couple they're still there they're still people you recognize they're sort of like your friends while you're reading that book so I think it's quite clever and it gives people a reason to buy true very true yeah I like the characters and they've all got their own sort of quirks and their own personalities very enjoyable um, I did want to know, what was Trinity's big idea? What was the business? Oh, I have no idea. Nicole, that's not the answer I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> so there are some times where I will, I'll have characters that, I, I work in tech myself. And so I do have characters that work at startups and I'll describe. So Talon in book two, um, she works at a startup and I say what they do. And then in Scarlet's, you do the same thing. Like, I'll, I'll tell you what they do. When it comes to some of them, though, I intentionally just don't say it. Uh, so when I was writing it, I said, nah, I'm not going to tell them what it is. I'll, I'll let them like figure it out. There's some production. They've got some people they need to talk to. And it's about the re- It's the, the reason they get together and it's about their relationship. And so it's not so much about the idea. Uh, and I wanted Trinity to just be this idea generator as well. And, and she is, and she becomes one where in the what happened after short story, she's also got a new idea. And so it's not even, the idea doesn't lock her down. She's just idea, next, idea, next, which I thought was really cool. But yeah, I, I didn't come up with what it is. So somebody else can fill in the blank if they'd like. Okay. Okay. <laughs> the other thing I just wanted to pop in there, I go off on a tangent in my mind a little bit, is, is it a romance or is it erotica? Because there is a lot of sex <laughs> and it is full on sex. And it is, that's yeah. where most of the detail is. The details in the mm-hmm. sex, it's not in the peripheral stuff or the living of the life. It's what they do in the bedroom or wherever. Yeah. yeah. Each book is slightly different in the series in particular. So in book one, there's very little. It's a kind. Of, it's not slow burn exactly, but they don't really do anything until the very end of the book. Talon's story is more of a hot for boss situation. So things are happening throughout the book. That's how they sort of get together. And then each book is just a little bit different. I did that on purpose. And I wanted for Paisley in particular, I felt like she's not going to be somebody that just gets into a romantic relationship. If somebody asks her on a date, she is much more likely to say no. Trinity or no Trinity doesn't matter. She's more likely to say no, I'm focused on work. (laughs) And so I thought if I introduce them with sort of, we're just going to try the whole sex thing first. And hey, that works. That would make her, I mean, between the two of them, it did just fine. But I think that opens her up to 
having more conversations with Trinity and really diving into, could they be a, could they be a couple? Are they compatible? Could they make distance work? Do they want to make distance work? And then there's funny moments. So I think it, most of my, I would say all of my books have sex in them. Many of them, most of them have, I don't fade to black and I'm, I put details in there because like you said, I do think a lot happens during the those moments where they are talking to each other and you're discovering things about that other person. And so uh, it is something that I, I do in just about every book. This book does have more than yeah, it does have most a lot. of the others. Yeah. It's quite funny, actually, because we'll read books for the podcast and, and I'll go, well, that, was, that sex scene was pointless. Why was it even there? And I'll say that. And when Daisy said to me, have you started the book yet? I said, no, I've not started it yet. I said, I'm, I'm going to, this was about two, maybe two, two or three weeks ago, something like that. I said, I've not started it yet. I am, I'm, it's next on my list. And Daisy said, well, I've read the first chapter and there's this masturbation scene in it. And I went, all right, okay, here we go. I'm going to have another book with a load of sex in it. <laughs> I think it was about a week and a half ago. I, I said to Daisy, I said, I'm going to say something now that I've never thought would, I would hear myself saying. There's a lot of sex in that book, I said, and it's relevant. Yeah, that's that's my goal. <laughs> it absolutely had a relevance to it. And you're right, it was based around the fact that they got together. They weren't going to have a relationship. It was just Paisley was four hours from home, you know, and they were there in the moment and let's just have sex. Yeah, I try to do that. I can't say that I'm 100% successful, but like I do try to make sure that when they're doing that, it's at the right stage for the the couple. It makes sense for the story and it is relevant to their relationship. It's not gratuitous just for gratuitous sex sake. Yeah. I found it really relevant. Without that, I don't think given the character that you'd, t- that you'd made Paisley, the way that you'd made it, I don't think without that there would have been any more book yeah it would have just ended there she says no and it just ends it's a very short story suddenly yeah (laughs) yeah can i quote a little bit from the end of chapter 22 and then just ask a quick question sure so at the end of chapter 22 and i'm quoting when paisley stilled as her second orgasm took over trinity watched her and knew she was in love when you're in the middle of a sex scene like that isn't that lust rather than love I think it depends on the person and the character. And so I do, it's actually funny you mentioned that because in book three of this series, one of the characters, Aria, edits a lot of academic journals and things like that for her job. And so she learns a lot about science and all sorts of things. And one of the things that she brings up, and I have it repeat through, through these books, is that after you have an orgasm, you're not supposed to say anything super important for like 20 minutes because you're feeling real good, right? So like you don't want to overcommit I think in that moment. And so when I was writing this, it was, that's how they're expressing themselves. Like they've been so far, they're expressing themselves in this way. And she's not had this before. She had kind of a a cheating girlfriend, honestly. Mm. And she's had, she's got somebody that she has for the better part of, you know, over a decade had some sort of feelings for some of them were good. Some of them were bad. And now they're actually together. So yes, there's lust in there, but she's also, I think, recognizing that it's more than that. It's not just this because just this I can have, yeah. but I want more with this person. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. I must admit, I did quite like their relationship, like so much so that I went on to have a look in book seven to find out, you know, what happened to them. Yeah. They have more sex. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love it. Yeah, they're still doing that. Yeah, they're still doing that. 
Well, good. That's healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Very healthy relationship they have. <laughs> so I'm just going to slip another question in. So in terms of the, of the book that you've got coming out on Friday, what's the theme that runs through that then? That book is uh, its the first in the royalty series. It's called Ascending. The premise I got in my head a few years ago, and I, I'm a horrible person for thinking this, but the premise was that there's a princess who's very long down this, this throne, right? She's not going to be taken. It's a made up country, by the way. Um, she is not going to be on the throne and something horrible happens to her family. And suddenly she's thrust into having to be the queen of this country. And I chose to make it not a constitutional monarchy to make it so that they are not taking any taxpayer dollars, nothing, but people still don't know that they want a monarchy. So she's dealing with all of these challenges. And at the same time, a reporter shows up and the reporter is there to talk about what just happened to her family. And so it's a slow burn. There's a lot more to it than that. It's a slow burn relationship building book where, you know, by the end, she's realizing this is the person she wants to be with. And the reporter is an American. So I, I joke, she's apathetic to monarchies. You know, we don't have a monarchy over here. And so she's really just there at first to get the story and kind of go back home. But what ends up happening is she sees that there's a human behind the, the duty behind the job, behind the task, behind the grief, behind all of these horrible things that have just happened. And I thought that I, I had this in my head a long time ago and I thought I'm going to write that. And then here's another accidental series. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> now I'm going to do a book too. And my wife was like, okay. And I said, yeah, that's it. That's it. And then also a book three. And then, okay, we're just going to do a book four. Let's just admit it. So um, yeah. So that kind of kicks it off. Each book is a little bit different. So this one is a little bit more on the grief and rebuilding and a slow burn. The next one's a little lighter and uh, it goes from there. Great. So where can we find you online, social media, that type of thing? The easiest place I think is to go to my website, which is nicolepylon.com because I link to all my social profiles there. I also have a newsletter that people can sign up for there. It's on the homepage and uh, you'll see all my blogs are posted there. And one thing that we added this year to the site, which I think will help people who let's be honest, some people don't want to read books with sex scenes in them, or they don't want to read books with a lot of angst or a lot of sex, for example. So I put on the site where you have these meters and you'll see, you know, Trinity and Paisley are pretty high up on the heat index, if you will, a okay. little bit, a little bit. And so those things I think will be really helpful for readers. And then I'm on Facebook, Twitter. I just set up an Instagram account, no idea how to use it yet. So I'll figure that out in time, but um, Twitter and Facebook primarily right now. Fantastic. I did want to ask about the cat. Oh, yes. Because we, <laughs> we were reading about you and the cat takes up half your chair and just does the writing with you. Easily half the chair. Sometimes it's more. His name is Oscar Wilde. Oh, nice. <laughs> Excellent. Weirdly not named after Oscar Wilde at first. Uh, he was named, he's a tuxedo cat. So he has a little patch of white fur. And when I, I got him, he was a couple weeks old. And I thought he looked like he was going to the Academy Awards because he was all dressed up. <laughs> <laughs> so I named him Oscar. And then he was crazy. He was a wild kitten. So that's where. And I was like, oh, it's Oscar Wilde. Works out well. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Should be getting credit as a co-author. <laughs> Editor, maybe, because he does sometimes. Yeah, he does sometimes step on the keys. And uh <laughs> He hits the, the delete uh, a little bit more often than I'd like. But yeah, I think an editor credit might be due. A little paw print in the book or something. Oh, he sounds adorable. We definitely need to know more about Oscar. How old is he, Nicole? He is 17. I have had him for a very wow. long time. He's still, I'm so lucky. He still acts like a, a little kitten. 
He is uh, outside, thankfully, not meowing right now. Um, but normally he would be in here with me, hanging out, writing, sometimes sitting in my lap and working. But yeah, he's almost, he'll be 18 this year. So that's an impressive age for a cat. Yeah, getting a little bit more white fur, uh, like some white little whiskers over here. So we make fun of him. But yeah, he's still very young, very spry. So very happy. Brilliant. Thank you very, very much yeah, for coming on the podcast and for answering all our questions. Yeah, no problem. Happy to uh, answer pretty much anything. I don't really mind talking about my books, so it's always nice to have this kind of opportunity. It's been lovely to meet you. It's great to meet you too as well. Have a good evening. <laughs> Thank you. Good evening there. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye. That couldn't have gone any better now, could it? That was brilliant. I want to meet Oscar Wilde. Do you think if I go to America, she'll let me meet him? I think she'll probably think you're a stalker and bolt her doors. <laughs> yeah, possibly. No, that was a really, really good interview. So, yeah, thank you very, very much to Nicole for indulging us in those questions. Yes, and lovely to hear about Oscar Wilde and the legendary Natalie. Yeah, <laughs> possibly without Natalie, Nicole wouldn't have published 51 books. Yeah. <laughs> so what have we got coming up next time? I hear you cry. Well, we've got a flash fiction episode coming up next time. And what's the prompt, Daisy? The prompt is the blank page. So you are pretty much open to write anything you like. Does that mean I can just submit a blank Word document and that's fine? Of course you can, April. You won't feature in the podcast, but yes, of course you can. <laughs> So what date has everybody got to get their flash fictions in? Because you're the keeper of the the dates and the organisation. <laughs> the deadline for this flash fiction is the 5th of April. The email to send your submissions to is bearbookspod1 at gmail.com. Between 500 and 1,000 words. That is very strict, please. And we are really looking forward to seeing what you come up with for this one. I told you, an empty word document. Not you, the real people that do the real writing. And on that note, I'm going. You take care of each other until next time. Bye-bye, everybody. Thanks for listening. You can follow us on Bear Books and Bear Books Pod 1 on social media. We'd love it if you could share the podcast with your friends. And thanks so much to everyone that's left us a review. If you're listening today and you haven't given us a review yet, please do. It helps other people discover us and their new favourite indie authors. We'll be back soon with more reviews and more flash fiction. See you next time. <laughs>